0: Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go, with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the accessmedia.nz app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This
1: program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
0: This is Neil McMillan, inviting you to join me for Pulse of Politics every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Otago Access Radio. I'll be bringing you 30 minutes of interviews, conversation and commentary on issues that matter. That's Pulse of Politics, Sundays at 8 on the Otago Access Radio, 105.4 FM and 1575 AM. In this week's programme we're continuing our focus on September's general election and concentrating particularly on the newly created Tyree seat, which includes part of Dunedin City and several provincial towns including Belclutha, Milton and Lawrence as well as Farming Country. It's an intriguing mix, and so we're speaking again with one of the candidates, New Zealand First List MP, Mark Patterson, who's joining us in the studio. Nice to see you, Mark. Thank you very much indeed for coming in. Hi, Neil. Nice to be here. Mark, it's appropriate we should begin by looking at the consequences of two quite dramatic political events in recent days. Firstly, that Hamish Walker is no longer National MP for Clutha Southland after leaking sensitive information. And and the second is that Marion Hobbs, a one-time former Cabinet Minister, has been replaced as Chair of the Otago Regional Council. First, Hamish Walker, uh, an ignominious end to a promising career I
1: think that's a very accurate uh, summation, Hamish uh, at a personal level we we had a, a pretty good uh, working relationship and uh, he and his wife Penny and my wife Jude were um, you know reason had, had good relationship really um, so at a personal level I'm quite um, you know, quite disappointed from because I know he's mm-hmm. very ambitious. He worked hard he drove me to be um, you know every day. Uh, you know, we were monitoring what Hamish was doing and trying to do better, so that, that sort of competition's really good. Uh, so I respected what he his work ethic, uh, but obviously uh, at times his judgement let him down and, and spectacular. Mm, so in the, mm.
0: uh, also a big test for Todd Muller. Could he have handled it any differently, do you think? Well, I think he'd sort of boxed himself
1: into a corner uh, by slamming the leak and then only to find the leak was his his, uh, his, own source or his own party. So it was, you know, it's been terribly damaging for them. But, you know, at the end of the day, he... Um, he did what he had to do within the the constraints of the party and, um, you know, they'll be trying to move on, but it it certainly has affected their ability to kind of... Some of the key messages they were trying to get across have kind of been uh, gazumped a little bit by this because um, they were obviously attacking the government uh, team, but uh, when his own team uh, is looking a little bit shabby, that's, uh, you know, not a great look.
0: Yeah, this is an area you're very familiar with. Would that put pressure... On national, to select a new candidate and possibly enhance New Zealand First's prospects in the electorate?
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, we've, we've got an office in Gore, and it's, uh, I must say it's been inundated in the last few days by people coming in, and they're, you know, they're pretty annoyed with what's happened uh, because it's two times in a row now. Of course, Todd Barclay suffered a very similar fate. Uh, so, um, Yeah, so it won't – but, you know, we're we're putting our own value proposition forward as opposed to, um, you know, sort of trying to get in the the muck and rake about. You know, we're on the front foot trying to uh, sell our story, not not worry too much about Mm. what they're doing.
0: Mm. And the regional council issue, uh, whether in your view – we won't get into personalities here – but – has the ORC worked cohesively and constructively on matters affecting the region do you think
1: uh, clearly no uh, certainly in recent times uh, and I think you know it was it's very damaging having a, a council governance group that that wasn 't cohesive. Uh, we expect different voices around a, a council table, but we also expect them to be able to uh, have have a degree of cohesion that that comes from the decisions that are made so And, you know, from what I know, on the ground, you know, there's been turnover of staff and that. So these things tend to permeate a little bit through an organisation. So they're in desperate need to steady the ship. And I think Andrew Noon uh, will be, uh, to me anyway, seems like he could be just that man. He's a Mm. very sort of uh, Mm. uh, moderate and, um, you know, constructive thinker and, and, you know, won't be, uh, you know, he won't be playing politics. He'll be trying to get a good Mm. outcome
0: the government 's water policy this has been identified by Marion Hobbs as a concern as a farmer yourself, and as New Zealand first spokesman on agriculture, how do you regard the government 's proposed requirements on water?
1: Well, I think it 's a step in the right direction i 'm supportive of uh, the direction that we 're going with that um, you know there 's probably some devil in the detail, and that 's yet to be fully uh extrapolated out or, or communicated out. But we really do, you know, we need a sustainable agricultural sector, we need to add value and, and we need that provenance story to stand up because more and more consumers are able to link right back through the, the value chain to the farm and if they see practices that and environmental outcomes that aren't good ones then that, that won't play well for us. So I think uh, you know, we've got to we've got to address these issues, uh, and I think it was actually ended up being quite a pragmatic document. So um, mm. devil in the detail,
0: but it, it, so far a good start. And um, what's the feedback you've been getting from farmers in your area? Um,
1: positive, in the sense that not a lot. I uh, think if they were really uh, upset about it, the phone would have been red hot. There's. Uh, I think that the compliance, no, no one likes the compliance, and as you say, Neil, I'm a farmer myself, and I loathe compliance, but I think most of them can see uh, you know, that it's a necessary evil in some form or other. Uh, some of the practices that we've done traditionally do have a, an environmental impact that we've got to tidy up, uh, so yeah, probably a... They're not angry, but they're uh, they're accepting, I think, um, mm. within the context. And a lot of them are doing a great job anyway, so that's not a big deal. But just to have to go through those compliance steps probably the thing that uh, you know, I've probably had the most feedback on. Yeah,
0: and while we're on the same subject, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism uh, aimed at the agriculture sector in recent times, perhaps unfairly, some people would say.
1: Yeah, I think – and there's been a quiet revolution going on farm – a uh, lot of really good environmental stuff uh, going on, but it's the lowest common denominator often that that directs these things. And unfortunately, we do see some um, practices that aren't up to you know good management practice. Mm. So I guess you know that, that it's frustrating for those farmers that are doing the right thing. But then again, you know they're, they're already there, so there's less adjustment for them. But mm. Uh, There's just an awakening of, as I talked about before, the consumer awareness that we absolutely need to be able to walk the talk.
0: Mm. Another major concern, I think, among farmers is the use of productive farmland for forestry. How serious a problem is this?
1: Yeah, I think it's not a problem at the moment. I think the issue is that there's the potential for it to be a problem, Uh, whole-of-farm forestry conversions and that is something that we are taking very seriously and looking at, you know, levers the government might have. I think you've saw the Labor Party come out the other day and say they're going to make it a consentable activity on on better quality soils. I think we are pretty close to to folding in b- beside that position um, because we don't want our our um, communities uh, plastered in in pine trees. But there is, you know, right tree, right place. There's certainly places where they. Uh, trees would be a better land use and you know so it's I guess when a government pulls one lever off and there's um, consequences down the line which I think there may be in this case that we're going to have to pull another lever to, to hold it back but we're very conscious of that it is a big, a big issue yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have to wonder to what extent this might be at odds with your own policy uh, the one that's being implemented by Shane Jones the, to planting a billion trees well, the billion
1: tree thing is actually quite highly regulated. So the, you can only plant on marginal land. You can only plant a certain uh, section of your your farm. So within the billion trees, that's that's pretty well controlled now. I think where the problem is uh, potentially is with the ETS, where you know uh, you can potentially uh, farm carbon or you, you can farm carbon and. and Rural communities are, are just concerned that they 'll be blanketed with pine trees uh, that may never be cut down they 'll just be failed for carbon for as long as they can be and then then uh, abandoned so we don 't want that to be uh, mm. to, to be in mm. play
0: mark let 's look at the Tyree electorate that you 're contesting. Uh, You're obviously attracted to the fact that it's actually where you live because you farm near Lawrence, yet much of the work you have been doing over the past three years has been in Clutha Southland. Would you not have been more comfortable in an electorate that's essentially provincial and rural rather than one that includes a sizable chunk of Dunedin City? Uh, Well, the decision
1: was around... You know the boundary did change to include where we live in in Lawrence, and that was essentially the deciding factor in the end. Although you know the Southland electorate is, is now is, is now reasonably heavily weighted towards Queenstown and Central Otago, so it's probably not as rural rural as it, as it was. Uh, and I think we've New Zealand First in particular has got a really good story to tell here. We've been a champion of the PGF, which has revived hillside workshops. Uh, you know, I've personally been involved in. Uh, helping the retention of Invermay and, and, uh, and Telford down there in Belclutha, so I think I've got uh, some runs on the board here that I'm I'm keen to um, you know to make the the voters of Tyree know about. But it was hard because we did have an active office in Gore and we've done some a fair bit of work over there too. So it was yeah it was it was a hard decision, but
0: uh,
1: one that had to be made.
0: Mm. Tyree it's a very diverse electorate. It's urban and it's rural. It's uh, white collar and blue collar. It's industrial. It's agricultural. It's city, suburban, and provincial small town. How do you campaign in such an electorate? I wonder. Well, as hard as you can, I guess, is, uh,
1: Neil. But uh, yeah, it, it makes mm-hmm. it a it does make it a fascinating uh, electorate, but. Um, you know, having been in government for uh, three years, I think I've got a pretty good overview of a lot of the, the issues that uh, affect those areas. Uh, I've just been out with the Honourable Ron Mark today. We've been in South Dunedin looking at some of the engineering workshops out there. We've just been in at the university. So uh, I think in the last three years I've pretty, pretty well plugged into a lot of those uh, communities anyway. So it's just a matter of uh, putting my front foot forward and, and asking people if they'll give us a vote. You'll be campaigning first and foremost for the party vote, I think. Yes, and I'll be uh, out around Southland and, and um, other areas, the West Coast actually. I've spent a, a lot of time over there. Early in the week we are over there uh, as well. So I'll be uh, – the party vote is the one that, that counts the most, as, as you know, and as I'm sure your listeners are well aware, being very astute political followers. But – um, yeah, so we'll be trying to build the party vote as much as possible, but with a focus on Tyree, and I want to build a, a bit of a base here, I think, um, to to give the, the, the other parties a bit of a run for their money as well. Mm-hmm. How do you pitch New Zealand first then? Oh, quite easy. I think we've got a track record, particularly in this electorate, of having delivered some uh, pretty significant uh, achievements. Uh, and, you know, I ran through a couple before, Hillside Workshops, Invermaid, Telford, Uh, I've got a, I think, building a bit of a reputation on the ground. Uh, Certainly would be possibly better known in the Cluther area, but certainly judging by the feedback I've had to date, there's, uh, you know, people are uh, pleased that I'm standing. So, yeah,
0: um, I've been encouraged by that. Listeners, we're speaking with Mark Patterson, New Zealand First MP, who's contesting the Tyree electorate this coming September. The electorate includes the Otago Corrections Facility. And with voting now available to prison inmates serving sentences of less than three years, will you be campaigning within the prison precincts? Uh,
1: well, I'd possibly, probably, I will. I hadn't uh, hadn't got down to that um, uh, level of detail in terms of uh, organising it, but yeah, the, I see no reason why not. Um, that was a decision that's just gone gone through the Parliament we voted uh, for that legislation uh, a little bit contentious but it, it essentially just returned uh, the status quo that had been up to 2010 uh, which was only changed by private members bill so uh, I think while there was a wee bit of opposition from national it was it was pretty lukewarm really because uh, they Previously, been pretty comfortable with that state of affairs, uh, and we need to rehabilitate people back into the community. And part of that is uh, feeling engaged in the political process. Uh, So it's only for those that are on shorter sentences, of course, not the longer
0: sentences. Yeah, the the electoral commission, I think, has has yet to define some protocols on how you can campaign in the prison itself. Yeah, possibly.
1: Yeah, I haven't um, actually organised to go in there yet, so
0: I'll, I'll probably find that. Uh, Neil, you're, you're, you're a step ahead of me there. Labor and National are already engaged in some very intense campaigning. Uh, this will only intensify is there a risk of it becoming a, a two-party contest and of the other candidates such as yourself being squeezed out? Um, no, I, I guess the, uh, the
1: the two main candidates are they're not in Parliament like I am, so they haven't, got, um, they've got, they haven't got those constraints. They can be out on the ground every day. Uh, but there's no doubt, as I say, I'm out and about with Ron Mark today. We're down with Shane Jones next week. We're down with Fletcher Tabuteau next week. Uh, we will be uh, giving them a very, very good run for their money here. We're pretty motivated. Don't worry about that.
0: Will we be seeing Winston Peters? Now, we know as we speak Winston has just undergone... Uh, some kind of operation in uh, in Auckland, uh, nothing too serious I gather, so uh, hopefully he'll be coming down here at some point. Yes, well he was
1: due down uh, next week, uh, Shane's stepping in for him, but he uh, yeah, just had a, a minor surgery and I understand he's uh, come through that pretty well, So um, and yes he will be uh, looking forward to getting down, getting in the bus and touring the country, so no
0: look out for that. Well, we'll look forward to it because Winston's been in the studio here uh, many times over the recent years. Since New Zealand First will be campaigning on its record, what do you regard as the party's main achievements in office?
1: Uh, Well, I guess it's twofold. I think we've been a balancing influence on a government that uh, potentially could have uh, strayed a little bit to the left, and I think... uh, you know, things like uh, law and order, uh, tax reform, that side sort of things, we've been a, a balancing act. But also things, you know, like the aforementioned provincial growth fund, which is the biggest regional development fund of its kind in the world per capita. Uh, that was our puppy essentially that we took into coalition talks and won that um, concession from the Labour Party, and that's done enormous amounts all round. Uh, you know, the regions of New Zealand so very very proud of that. Uh, proud of the, the balancing influence that we've uh, put in the go- voice of reason. I guess we see ourselves at many times. Uh, so that that's the, um, you know, they'll be key themes on what, what we'll be campaigning on.
0: That's the, the plus side. You have to ask whether there's a, a negative side, whether some of the things that have been done perhaps by the Greens and Labor have been... Uh, uh, have harmed New Zealand First as a consequence?
1: Well, we're a coalition. Uh, well, the, the Labour and ourselves are in coalition with a confidence and supply uh, to the Green Party, and that's the way it works. You don't get absolutely everything you want with 7% of the vote, and that's why we'll be out there saying we need a much bigger share of the vote uh, this time. But, you know, coalitions, we don't all get our own way all the time, but we think we've got... Uh, you know, we, we've won a lot of uh, – we've had a lot of wins uh, that we can uh, be proud and showcase during the election campaign.
0: Mm. Mark, earlier this year you were warning on Twitter about what you call the extremes of a Labor-Green government. What do you actually mean by that? Ah, well, that's um,
1: – I think there's a – there's certainly a – a balance there that only we can bring. I think, it is particularly if the National Party don't look like they can get over the line, uh, so strategically a vote for us will be to, um, I guess, moderate some of that that more far left stuff. And I think you've seen the Greens come out with a fairly radical uh, tax policy that uh, recently, which would would be devastating to farmers, for example, um, who have a lot of asset but maybe not a lot of cash flow. Um, so just uh, examples like that, uh, and and some of the, the the social issues. But I would also say that we've actually worked pretty collegially together as well. I think we've passed some 180 pieces of legislation. So it's not all adversarial, but we do have our our differences, and and uh, most of the time they play out behind closed doors. But mm. uh, sometimes. Uh, they, uh, they make it into the public and probably uh, now we've got an election campaign we can um, we
0: can actually put
1: our our actual position out there as opposed to our compromised position
0: yeah Simon Bridges when he was leader of the National Party he ruled out any kind of political accommodation with New Zealand first uh, and the same position has been confirmed by Todd Muller and yet uh, I fancy that New Zealand First would have been more comfortable working with Todd Muller than with Simon Bridges.
1: Yeah, Todd's, uh, well, he's a friend of the party. is uh, probably a little bit strong, but he has good personal relationships with many of us. He was the agricultural spokesperson uh, opposite to myself, so I've, I personally had a good working relationship with him. I know he knows uh, Winston, for example, from way back in Tauranga days. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, see them holding that position Uh, you know that they're going to need all the numbers they can get Um, ultimately we've always said that we're going to campaign on our platform and then if we're in a privileged position after the election to be in negotiations with either party we will Um, we'll keep those doors open but um, it's a little hard you know standing back being a political commentator for a second neil it's a little hard to see them having a pathway uh, without us at this stage
0: And for the Tari electorate, have you yet met any of the other contenders for the seat, such as Ingrid Leary and Liam Kernigan? No, I have not, actually. And uh, I know from the last campaign
1: that by the end of it we'll know each other uh, pretty well, but uh, at this stage we haven't uh, had any uh, personal engagement, but I'm looking forward to that uh, kicking off.
0: And you and Liam are both bagpipe exponents, I gather.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping to be a better politician than, uh, than Liam, but I'm certainly not a better bagpiper. I think he's a, a New Zealand uh, champion, so, um, you know, that's fair play to him. He's, um, but, yeah, we,
0: uh, I enjoy playing the pipes on occasion. But. Main points of difference with the other parties. I mean, this is something that's going to crop up when you're on the platform. Yep. Well, how will you be defining the main points of difference, firstly with Labour and then with National?
1: Well, I think we're a centrist uh, party, um, so we we have a bit of labour, you know, Labor, you know you're sort of your trade union, you know, um, you know public service type uh, people, I guess, in, in the main, so we, we actually have a business lens that we put over that, and for the National Party, you know, we, we've always been, and Winston for years has been against that neoliberal economics, that just pure free market, so... We just pre- once again, I think we add, add a bit of balance to both of those sides of the equation. We we realise that business is important, but we're not, um, you know, totally free market, um, laissez-faire economics either.
0: Hmm. And finally, Mark, as well as voting in September for members of Parliament, we'll be voting in two referenda, one on voluntary euthanasia, the other on the recreational use of cannabis. Where do you stand on those issues?
1: Um, on the, ca- I'm, I'm a definite no on the, the cannabis uh, for no other reason, but I, I just don't. I've got two daughters, 13 and 11. I just don't want to see them be able to go down to the local dairy in, in Lawrence and, and buy a joint. I just don't see that as a, a positive step forward. I don't think drugs are um, a positive influence in our community. We do have to address the issues that we have and, and not necessarily in a punitive way, but. Uh, so it'll be no from me on cannabis uh, on euthanasia. It will be uh, yes. I've had, um, you know, personal experiences. I think almost everyone has of a, a relative dying a, a terrible death,
0: and I think people should have that choice uh, if if they want. Right. Mark Patterson, thanks so much. It's been very good to have you on the program, particularly nice to have you in the studio. And as with all candidates, we wish you well and what's hotting up as a stimulating election campaign. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Neil. It's been a privilege. This is we've been speaking with New Zealand First List MP Mark Patterson, who's also the party spokesman on agriculture and other topics and is contesting the Tyree electorate in the forthcoming election on September 19th. And that's our programme for the week. And this is Neil McMillan closing with a reminder you can catch Pulse of Politics at the same time every week on air, online or on podcast. You've been listening to Pulse of Politics. Broadcast every Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Otago Access Radio. If you'd like to hear this program again, you can download a podcast from www.oar.org.nz. Take ORFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and streaming of primo local content. Download the Access app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.